If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za. Thank you so much for being with us. It's a Wednesday, so we are looking at legal matters with Ntabi Singh Dubazana, who's our legal expert. Thank you so much for coming through. Good evening and welcome. Good evening, good evening. Nice to be back. So, you want us to talk about today? I want us to talk about employment contracts. Employment contracts. Yes, um, the before... Uh, and the during, that means the signing, mm-hmm. and the after the signing, right? Okay. Um, so we've come across a lot of situations where either we hear one employer say, no, Mara, my employee doesn't want to sign the contract and I don't understand why, therefore my employee is not my employee. Okay. And then we had situations where employees are saying that they signed contracts, but mm-hmm. they don't have access to these contracts. This So, this, so sometimes the person would get a copy asked to sign and then of course the company also needs to have a representative signing yes and often people would not have the copy that was signed by both parties that is correct okay and And so what does that mean is it still a legitimate contract when you you just say i signed a contract Mm. Um, and maybe I have a copy of what they sent me before mm. I signed it, mm. but I don't have one where I have the signature of myself and my boss. Mm, mm. It's still very binding. Okay. Even the one that we spoke of where the employee refuses to sign, it's still binding. Mm. And also, the one final thing is that um, the I said employers and uh, saying that the employee doesn't want to sign, like, mm-hmm. and then employees saying that I don't have a contract, mm-hmm. and then an employee just working. So, there's a scenario where the employer has offered a contract. Yes. And they have agreed, Tabi saying you can start tomorrow mm. while we work on the contract. Yes. The contract will state that you started on the 1st. Correct. Right? Yeah. So, you start you coming into the office. Yeah. They are writing out the contract mm. and the contract will say she started on the 1st. Yes. But Tabi saying starts the work. Yes. And this contract's not coming. Mm-hmm. It's not coming. It's not coming. Month one, month two, month three. What? What is that? In other words, they have not even seen the terms of, of uh, terms and conditions of, and conditions yeah. of this in, employment. All they had was perhaps an interview and a verbal agreement. Uh, yes. See, the verbal agreement is very important. Okay. The fact that there's a verbal agreement. It's sufficient for there to be a contract. Yes, the terms and conditions are not there, mm-hmm. but you cannot dismiss the employee because there's no written contract. Well, it, is it even dismissal? It is actually. Okay. So there's a case, um, is it a, the year I forget, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but in that particular case, the employee had been working for two months without a yes. contract. Yes. And um, in this scenario, though, the employer kept saying, listen, come in, let's discuss the terms and conditions of the contract per your scenario mm-hmm. and saying that let's meet on this day or they sent the contract. Let's meet. Let's discuss the terms so mm-hmm. that we can agree and in a manner that you understand this contract. Mm-hmm. And then Tabi saying deadline after deadline, she doesn't come. And then they she doesn't come to the meeting. Yes, or, or, but she comes to work. But she comes to work. Okay, and then fast forward um, at some time, the employer says, "If you're not going to come in to sign this contract, I'm going to withhold your salary, salary. until you sign the contract." And Tabi saying went to work for two months without a salary. Eventually, a disciplinary hearing was was 
um, convened, and then Ntabiseng was eventually dismissed. dismissed. And then Ntabiseng now takes it to the CCMA. Mm. The commissioner then said, it makes no sense when you're saying that you are unfairly dismissed, when you were given opportunity after opportunity to sign this contract. Mm. And if you did not understand the contract, you were offered by the employer that we will find an interpreter for you to explain it in a manner that you understand. But you still haven't showed us or, or explained to us if you really don't understand the contract, are the terms not what you agreed upon, all of those things. So it was confirmed. Okay, yeah. let me put a spanner in the works. Mm. There are scenarios where the employee may feel intimidated. Mm. In other words, f- feel like the terms that are on the contract, they don't have, the, they, they may not be happy with yes. them, but they don't feel like they're empowered enough to adjust it in this way there was a verbal agreement. Yeah. And the verbal agreement said, we're going to pay in Tabiseng 10 rand. Yeah. That was a verbal agreement. Correct. It goes into the system through HR. It comes back and it says 9 rand 50. Mm. And you are clear. You heard 10 rand. Yes. Right? And therefore, you hesitate to sign this 9 rand 50 contract because that's not what you discussed. Yep. But the person that gives you this paperwork is not the person you discussed it with. How do you resolve that matter? Because um, the person, Tabi saying, is probably feeling intimidated yes. and, and thinks, look, I've been looking for a job for a long time. I, I don't want to jeopardize my job because of 50 rand. Mm. But it's actually not fair. It's not fair. It's yeah. not right. I'm looking for the cases you're speaking because it's a case that speaks to exactly what you're saying. Mm. It is YFSA PTY LTD versus Mangale and others. It's a 2005 mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. In this particular case, uh, Mr. Mangale signed an employment contract. And then um, in that contract, it was terminated shortly before he was due to commence. So it's a little bit different to your scenario. Yeah. But this contract was signed. What made the termination happen is that the employer was had said in the contract that you are going to be given vehicle X mm-hmm. to execute your duties. Mm-hmm. Now that you were, he was supposed to commence work, he was given vehicle Y, which does not conform to not only the contract, but the work that he's supposed to do. So he says, no, 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 no. Employment contract says X. Where is the X car? And then the employer is like, take it or leave it. This is this it. is the car we're going to a, give you. Either you want a job or you don't want the job. And then they went ahead and they dismissed him before the date of commencement. Mm. So Mr. Magnale, what did he do? He took it to the CCMA. Mm-hmm. And then the employer disputed that he's an employee. Because, because they hadn't, hadn't signed. Yeah. No, they had signed. Oh, he hadn't started. started. I got you. And then the CCMA said, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Did he actually sign? Yes. And the the the, the document that he signed offered a, a car he had agreed to. Yes. Except that. So when did he find out that it was not going to be that car? On the day that um, on the day that he was supposed to go to work. Got you. Yes. Got you. So now um, on the week. So rather, he, so he arrived. Yes. So you can see the premises. And maybe, you know, you get introduced and whatever. Mm. And then maybe day three, you get your vehicle. Yeah. Say they say, here's your vehicle. Yeah. 
or you saying he hadn't started work? He hadn't started. He had just work. gone to get introduced. Maybe. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So now the employer's like, you know what? Because you're being difficult, Ibile ifella mota bayarona, you're not We're going not anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then he took it to the CCMA, and the CCMA confirmed that it was an unfair dismissal. In fact, it was deemed to be an automatically unfair dismissal. Mm. So it's important this aspect of automatic, because mm. when it's automatically unfair, it means that the employer has just thrashed the employee's rights in numerous ways. And the employer might find themselves paying out this employee 24 months worth of their salary. Mm. How lucky is that employee? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. Yo, I'm going to get into so much trouble. <laughs> okay. So, so it's so tricky because, as you're saying, they had not started. Yes. Would the company have to prove that they could not give him this vehicle. In other words, even if they had said to the CCMA, the commissioner, Mm. we were going to still get him this car. Mm. Where we are right now, so that's the ideal, where we are right now is here. Yes. Would that have been a better case? They would fall under Section 189 of the Labor Relations Act, which falls under operational requirements, Mm. right? So operational requirements is basically an umbrella for the employer to say, I cannot meet my obligations Mm. per the contract Mm. for reason X, Y, and Z. Therefore, apart from retrenching you, can we rather agree on this, that, and the other? You know, I um, it sounds frivolous, ne? so I th- I'm sure people are thinking, yeah, no, um, this person wanted a Mercedes, the car, the company had a, 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 a Toyota or something like mm. that. Actually, I know of a case where the issue was not even so much about the brand or anything like that. It was about uh, access to an automatic vehicle, mm. not because they can't drive uh, or they don't have the appropriate license, but because they they do have a disability yes. of sorts that makes it difficult for them to to drive a manual car. Mm. And of course, sometimes the manual cars are cheaper than the the automatic vehicles. And it became a very long... The, the employee was deemed to be impossible. Yeah, insubordinate, actually. Yes, yeah. because the disability is not visible. Yes. Which which makes it even more, more difficult. Yeah. I actually had a former colleague um, when I still worked for Legal Aid years ago. Mm. It was exactly the same thing. Uh, hers wasn't exactly a disability, but mm. unfortunately, with time, it mm. ended up being a such, as such. Mm. So the vehicles that we were assigned to travel to court, because you don't really have to go with your own car mm. to court. Um, so the vehicles we were assigned from the company were fully um, manual Mm. and she argued that I I cannot drive a manual Mm. and she set out her reasons but I guess because we're dealing with people in the law they kind of understood and then she was was sanctioned to use her own vehicle Mm. and all of those things so under that circumstance that would fall also under um, the Employment uh, Employment Equity Act Mm. so that it will be under um, Section 186 mm-hmm. could be very wrong, but I think mm. it's section 186 mm. where it is the automatic unfair dismissals of employees that would fall under those. So unfair discrimination 
under sex um you know pregnancy mm-hmm. all those things mm-hmm. disabilities mm-hmm. that's where it would fall mm. so the employer has to now accommodate the employee um, because it's not like i can't do the job i just need a different utensil mm-hmm. to conclude my work and then the employer now has to make sure either they put the employee in a position that they can do the work that they signed for in the contract or they then put the employee in another sector of the business where they can still do work. Folks, you're very welcome to call in with all your questions with uh, in relation to, uh, what is it, uh, employment contracts, Correct. right? Yeah. And and issues, sticky issues in the workplace, in Jay. Sometimes they, they can uh, arise not necessarily on a document. So 086 you can send a voice note on 063 So when does you said the verbal agreement stands when does a discussion become an agreement do you know what i'm saying i get what you're saying so sometimes you would go through the various stages of interviews Mm. and in the various stages of interviews they're called discussions Mm. you discuss certain matters maybe at the very latter end of, of those discussions you probably get to a point where you talk about what you likely would like to take home or whatever the case may be maybe you're asked you know mm, what's your ideal mm. and then you say mm, my ideal is a million rand a month mm. okay and then uh, they say oh okay thank you we hear you we'll get back to you yeah. in that same meeting in the same meeting you definitely were given the impression we want you in Tabise. Yes. Right? Yes. And they said, actually, all that's left now is to agree on what you want. Mm. They don't tell you what they want to offer you. They say, what do you want? And mm. you say, I want a million rand a month. Mm. Right? Of course, then they have like horror of horrors. They can't afford a million rand a month and then decide not to come back to you. Mm. They had told you they want you. What is that? There was a case, um, section 186 of the LRA. There was a lady that had interviewed Mm. and she was told in that particular interview. That's what actually gave rise to the amendment of section 186 of the LRA. Mm -hmm. So she she was given exactly that impression Mm. that, in fact, she was informed Mm. that the job is yours. So... um, she then waited and waited and waited until mm. she ended up calling and saying, guys, Pella, when we spoke in my interview, she was able to, lucky for her, she was able to remember the names of the people who were interviewing mm. her. Mm. She was like, Ntabi Singh and Pemelo were in agreement that I'm, I'm, the will, one. I'm the one. So it's it's a month now, you know, what's happening? And then she found out that Bra Edi had now been given the post, mm. she took the company to the CCMA hmm. for unfair um, labor practice. Mm. And she actually won mm. because there was communication that, that you are the one. Yes. And then the employer now was made to hire her because she didn't want the 24 month payment thing. She's like, no, I want to work. Mm. So the employer was made to, <gasps> to hire her. Really? But not at the, obviously, I don't know what, it, oh, it wasn't wow. really about the million rand yes, or whatever, yes, but yes, because was, you chose yes, me, yes. you know, and then the employer had that to. That is so interesting. So now it was going, it, I don't know what the implications were for the employer that wow. had been taken at the point because only, the matter was only based on the fact that they sure. made a promise to somebody. Goodness. Okay, let's take a call. Let's 
Kanolo in the East Rand. Hello, Little Kanolo. Hi, how's Pamela? How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for calling. Uh, good. Um, so I'm just I'm just calling in for information purposes, I suppose. Mm. Um, in 2020, I think around March, before lockdown, um, I had had an opportunity to join this other company and work with them. Uh, we had a, a verbal agreement on uh, the contract, and when lockdown hit and it was declared official um, because I was the last person in, I was, I was sent out. Mm. Um, what would have one done uh, typically in that situation? Uh, I'm just asking for, in hindsight, you know, looking back, mm. I feel like I should have done something about it, mm. but um, at the time I didn't have enough resources mm. and um, finances to actually take on the company and, you know, run around. And plus there were restrictions. We couldn't mm. move around as much. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. So, um, from what I'm gathering, um, when you were the first one, the last one in, first one out, the company ended up retrenching. So that would have fallen under Section 189 of the Labor Relations Act, right? Section 189, capital letter A, to be pre- um, specific. So it would fall under the umbrella of operational requirements. Um, I don't know exactly what the job. Um, entailed but um, if it is a situation that needed you to be present and now lockdown is restricting you from movement and you're new and there's nobody to train you etc etc they ought to have sent you a a letter or a notice informing you that listen based on what's currently happening we do not have capacity to take you on and therefore um, you know this is our letter saying that you are not being retrenched and then they offer you some sort of package Um, from what I can get that you hadn't really started so there wouldn't be a severance package per se because a severance package would say that for the number of years that you've worked with the company they pay you a week's um, worth of wages so that would be the umbrella of what it was like Um, but if that didn't happen then you would have had the opportunity at the time to take the matter to to the CCMA for unfair dismissal um, because you didn't get a notice or you were not informed properly about the retrenchment, stuff like that. Hmm. Is that that, that okay with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Mm, All right. Thank you. Thanks so much for calling. So this is, is, uh, it's a tough one because, you know, as you're saying, um, some of these would the company have to prove that the circumstances have drastically changed? Correct. They have no choice. Under Section 189, Subsection 3, um, it's under operational requirements, it, it is clear. The last resort that the employer has to do is to retrench any employee. Mm-hmm. You have to look at every other avenue that is available to you. And you need to prove that you have, I think we did discuss it yes. but even a little bit, yeah. um, that you have to have consultations with your employees mm-hmm. to inform them that, listen, uh, you're not going to be exactly showing your financial statements or anything mm. of the sort, but you have to make the employees understand what is happening so that when they make a decision they make it based on information that is present before them mm-hmm. yeah what happens when because we we were talking about you know as you negotiate while you're in the job and then post yeah when you may be exiting yeah what happens in the scenario where you have taken the job 
you thought all was good and then realized this is not what I signed up for. Mm. What they told you you're going to be doing is nothing like what you imagined it, it to be. Yeah. Maybe you're doing three people's jobs. Mm. Um, they only told you about one element of what it is that was required of you. But actually, in actual fact, you now are doing three people's jobs. Mm. What do you do then? That's why it's important to read your contract before you sign. So there has to be a seven-day um, cool-off period that allows you to go take your contract to somebody who can read it and, and, and interpret it for you, make you understand, etc. Because you will find in employment contracts that there's a clause that says operational requirements. In other words, anything that the em- employer needs you to do apart from what we listed as your mm, job spec. And other. And, and other. Uh, so now they've covered themselves <laughs> under umbrella. Yeah, and the other. And now mm. there you are, you are producing, you are presenting and you are cleaning mm. all at the same time. And now you are not, you're not receiving salary for all of these three. You're only receiving salary and for requirements. one. You know? So now when you raise the complaint, the employer is going to say, but your contract other. says other. And it is at my discretion as the employer whether or not I will remunerate you in kind or with money or with time off whatever the case may be. So that's why employment contracts, they specify all these things. What is your date of um, of commencement? What is your remuneration? Days of leave? Uh, all of those things. So if you sign your contract and there's the other part there, you, the employer can cover themselves under operational requirements. That is now to benefit the employer. But having said that, the flip side of the same coin is that it can be viewed as unfair labor practice because the LRA and the basic conditions of employment are two different. Well, they're they're covering employers and employees, but one is very strict on what the requirements are for ensuring that an employee is catered to. So the Basic Conditions of Employment Act tells you that you cannot make an employee work more than 40 hours. I was going to all ask those about things, that, yeah. You know? So um, if now the employment contract is now going against the, the, the basic conditions of employment, then that is something that you can raise and as, empl- as an employee, as an unfair labor practice and take that to the CCMA. And while you're still employed, by the way, you don't have to be retrenched or fired. You can take it to the CCMA. Yeah. Oh. While you're still an employee, ah. and say this is unfair labor practice. Watch what's good to happen. Yes, to you. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To try it. Just. just <laughs> now I'm just saying. Try try that little move and let's see. let's see. Let's take a quick break. I'll be back with your calls on 0860009059 and and also have a look at your WhatsApp notes and read your WhatsApps on 0636880959. Point of view. Monday to Thursday, 8 to 10 p.m. Good evening, Sis Pimelo. Hope you are good. Uh, just have a quick question for the lady in the studio. Good evening to you, sister. Uh, I just want to know, you know, uh, I've been working for this company from 2018. Okay, I've moved uh, two departments. They were basically the same thing, doing the same job. Now I've moved to a new department and it's been a year that I've been working there. Nothing has been said. I'm still working on the same contract I was working on uh, since I started. And this current job I'm doing, it requires a lot of expertise, technical stuff. 
compared to my previous uh, post where you know you're just uh, doing basic things you know but on this one you need a technical expertise and now nothing is being said so would i be wrong if maybe i would approach my employer for an increase or how how should how can i go about it legally because i don't want to also maybe put myself in jeopardy or put my job in jeopardy yes thank you i'll just listen over the radio thanks bye all right yeah so look at your contract when you signed it does it have that clause yeah other the way that we were speaking about just now sometimes you feel like you're being set up for failure correct which is what i think he's saying yeah so yes i don't think he minds moving he doesn't mind doing a different job but it's like you're this this was not within my own uh, capacity yeah so if the the contract that he signed was for general worker let's say mm. and now he's in a situation where, where he's got to have technical know-how and he's not his competence exactly so which means he did the work to get to the stage that he, he studied or whatever yes. the case may be yeah. to get to where he is then he must approach HR if the company has got an HR. Otherwise, go directly to the to the director or the boss of the company and say, the employment contract that we signed, GAR 2018, said one, two, three. Now we are here. Can we add an addendum to the contract wherein it stipulates, one, that I have changed positions, and two, what my salary increase will be mm. per your uh, I get out of the heavens said anything. But he, if he doesn't say anything, mm-hmm. and the increment will be based on the original salary that was there. They mm-hmm. will not adjust it. Because I get it, there's the law and then there's reality. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Anonymous. Thanks for calling Anonymous. Good evening and welcome. Hi. Hi, welcome uh, Anonymous. Welcome. Can I, so my question is, if you've been given a three-month contract mm-hmm. and the position was advertised as permanent but the employer requested or asked if you would be open to a three-month contract while they were sorting their internal staff mm-hmm. and nine months later the contract has been extended every time in three months three months three months what is my recourse as an yeah. employer so the there's nine a- months later did you say yes yeah so there's a case that actually dealt with this um so as employers, they need to be very careful what they advertise. Ne? Um, so yeah. you applied for the job based on what the advertisement was. Ne? Correct. In your scenario, or okay, let me speak about that particular case so you can understand why I'm going to divert. In that particular case, the court, the labor court said that you, the, the employer was bound by the terms and conditions that they put out in the advertisement. And therefore, they had to ensure that the employee is employed under those um, circumstances. Now, with regard to your scenario, is that there was a discussion with you and you accepted this. So that's where the difference is. Now, in the discussion, was it said that at the end of the three-month contract that there will be a a permanent post or was it a situation it'll permanently be renewed? What was the outline there? It was just said that it would be a situation where it would be permanent, yes. Okay. In that scenario... And then you need to approach HR, stroke the employer, and say that it's been nine months. Um, I, w- I was 
um, approached and informed that three months um, after three months at least this post will be made permanent I'm expecting a permanent contract and then you need to give them a timeline and a deadline to do so they cannot they cannot dismiss you for trying to enforce what your rights are as an employee. I'm not saying that they won't. Don't get me wrong. But the law says that they cannot do that, you know, because they'll not only be breaking the the LRA rules, they'll also be uh, breaking the uh, Mm. Employment Equity Act. So it's now incumbent on you to make sure you approach employer and say, listen, do the right thing. And therefore, they remind them of the post that the post said it is permanent. It pays ten rand per month, and therefore that is what I am here for. Yeah, you know, anonymous. Yeah. I mean, is it the scenario where you can? Do you feel like you can bring this up? Mm, I don't know. Actually, I don't feel that comfortable. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The fear is that if you raise it, there's I mean, a likelihood of termination. Because they keep giving him uh, a three-month contract. Yeah. So uh, uh, but legally speaking, they cannot do that. I'm just stating what the law says. I know in practice, I trust me, I, I, I go to a number of CCMA matters. In practice, it is not exactly the way that I'm saying, but the law... Uh, does protect you in that scenario. You have a right to raise your, your, your concerns with your employer. Ish. Okay. I'm sorry, okay. man, anonymous. That's that okay. Thank you. Nice. All no right. Stress. Welcome. That doesn't sound nice. No. Ne? No. Let's talk about other things. You know, sometimes we 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 talk a lot about money, mm. but there are other things. Yeah. Um, where a company hires an individual that's going to be working in. What would be deemed to be a dangerous environment yes and does not necessarily provide the proper equipment of safety for instance for argument's sake i think there was um some of the cases with asbestos um, mm, mm. and mining companies yes. there were a lot of class action cases there mm. where you just you know your the health of the workers was not really a priority mm. um, in those cases what well, what do you do because generally those are laborers and and they just told just just get on with it kind of thing but their safety is is at stake that is the sad part about um, employers out there when they know that their employees do not have access to the knowledge mm. um, of the law and the knowledge of their rights and all of those they really abuse them yeah. and um, you know your standpoint as an as an employee your basic basic standpoint is to stem from the basic conditions of employment if your employer doesn't give you what is enshrined in the basic conditions of employment then already it's a problem you know um for like i was saying uh, about operational uh, requirements the labor court has um made it a priority that a contract needs to be signed between employer and employee because it's it's seen as an operational requirement and that contract must stipulate even if you're a laborer whatever what it is that you're going to do and give you the correct tools Mm. so um the 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 code um section 8 of the codes of good conduct in 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 the in the labor relations act um it outlines what should be done um so when we're dealing with unfair labor practices or unfair mm, dismissals mm. and all of those things part
part of the things is that the employer must ensure that they have trained and shown the employee what the work is supposed to do, which falls under the health hazards that if you're going to be doing this, you need a mask, you need mm, this, mm, you need mm, that. Mm. But if you don't provide me with those things, have you indeed shown me how it will train me mm. on how to do the work? And when I don't do it, because I've got asthma mm, and mm, all of those mm. things, and you're going to fire me because I'm not doing work, I can take you to the CCMA because I can prove that you do not only train me in the manner that I'm supposed to conclude the work, mm. you also do not provide me with the correct tools. Employees who find themselves in a scenario where the employer has been dishonest, yeah. right? Dishonest in the sense that you do have an employment contract, you get a payslip, and everything seems fine until one day you discover there was no UIF that mm. was that was being paid forward, but it was coming out of your salary. Yes, you know what? What recourse do those people have? Because oftentimes you find that. The Labor Department and many others are supposed to get involved when actually, and it becomes your problem in a way, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and it takes too long for them to deal with the employer. Mm. Unfortunately, before I even go there, UIF, registering for UIF with the Labor Department has to be the most annoying thing. Is this for the employer? For the employer. Because you will do what you need to do and then they um, will not provide you with the information to finalize everything. Yes, they will not I've provide told, you. Yeah. You know, they won't provide you with the amount that you need to people pay. Are, there's a backlog. There's a backlog. Yeah. And then you're sitting there three years and down the line. people have not been registered. Yes, yeah. yes. So that is the one downside of employers who are actually trying to do the right thing. But there are employers who are choosing that, you know, I will put it there in the papers, but it's not going to happen. So would there be no problem then, if that's what you're saying, where, for instance, their employer has has got reserves yes. at this money, they've put this money aside. And, and then what happens at the end? So let's say you have to leave. Yes. And, and you would have claimed from the UIF, but you were not registered. Yeah. What, what happens there? Um, that money, even though it's set aside as a lump sum, remember it, the UIF caters for you up until you get employed that's it yeah you know so now it's that's not the same it's, it's not the same amount the, yeah it's not the same amount because it's, it's quite less yes you know yes so now it's it wouldn't be fair because the you it's like an insurance yes, yes. you are they, they, they it wouldn't be fair on you to take what the employer set aside mm. per the rules mm. of the uif it's mm. not going to cover you mm. until the next job so now in that scenario, you would now have to take on the UIF, which in itself is encumbersome. If the employer is struggling and they have the finances, what are you going to do as a lay person who doesn't have the finances? So, so the labor department there just... In a nutshell, she's saying, too bad. Toby's <laughs> <laughs> saying, let's take a break. We'll be back with more of your voice notes as well as your calls on 86 Point of view. Monday to Thursday, 8 to 10 p.m. Good evening, good evening, good evening, Dumelang. Uh, just need to find out uh, what happens if um, I was doing a, an in-service training to complete my uh, degree and to find that uh, where I was placed. Okay, let me put it this way. Uh, I worked for this organization for about a year or two. And then uh, I was studying as well. And then I had to do my in-service training and moved to another department to complete my degree. 
and that was done. And now the manager within that division wanted me to, they wanted to absorb me for the position uh, that I was actually doing an in-service training uh, for. Now, uh, the department where I was initially employed, the manager there refuses now to release me so that they can absorb me where I was doing my in-service training. So I did uh, uh, communicate with HR, uh, wrote a, uh, some sort of uh, 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 a letter uh, indicating my intentions and so on, and that uh, the chief director from the other division where I was doing my in-service training wanted to absorb me and, and so on and so forth. But where I was uh, initially working, the division where I was initially working, the manager refused to release me so that I can take that position. So what is it that I could have done then uh, to be absorbed at uh, that uh, division, Mafuit? Danko. Yo, it's quite complicated because somehow you're also dealing with internal politics, right? I've heard this actually many, many times where someone says, look, I've been asked by another division head if I would like an opportunity in their division Mm -hmm. and I would. My boss is not is not letting me go. Yeah, it happens quite often. But in his scenario, he wasn't employed. He was still it in was, training. It was school. But I think he says, he was, unless he if was, I understood it, he was. It was still an internship, and then from there, from that point onwards, he was offered something. Yes, but he was still busy with the one division. Correct. So mm. in that situation. Um, the, the the other manager in the other department is not really your employer because you were only training under that particular department. You were not employed there. So he has really no right to release you or hold you in that particular aspect. You 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 could have just gone to the other department because because that's it was where employment. Your, yeah, that's where your actual employment was going to be. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he could have just. You, know, you don't owe them anything. Nothing. But you know, he, he's young, internship, you're yeah. young, it, you don't want to burn bridges. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hi. Um, hmm. I'm not sure if this is, but let's read it anyway. I hope you, I wanted to inquire about my pay slips. I've noticed some fluctuations in my hourly rate. Especially, I wanted to understand what factors might be contributing to these changes. Could it be related to the number of hours worked or are there other variables at play? I was under the impression there was a standard hourly rate, so I'm a bit confused. I'd appreciate it if you could clarify the reasons behind the rate variations. Thanks in advance for your time and assistance. So this seems to be comms between this individual and their direct manager. Yeah. The response they got was, good morning. Uh, oh, they're saying, are you paid per shift? Not sure what you mean. This is the response you by the line manager. Their response is, good morning. Hope you're well. What I mean is at the rate per shift or per hour, there is a section on my payslip states rate. So I have noticed that it changes every month. So I do not know if it refers to our hourly rate or does it mean something else? Mm. Did she end up getting a response or she just gave us that part? No, that's it. That's that's the, I think that's where the problem is. Also, what I'm thinking, when this person that's supposed to be a line manager pretends like they don't understand what you're saying, 
<laughs> like, what is this you're talking about? Like, That's what I'm getting there because like, if the line manager doesn't understand, how, uh, then why are you replying? But how, anyway, how's the line manager pretending to be confused? <laughs> so, um, I, unfortunately, they would need to take it on. If the line manager is not helping them, then go above the line manager. In fact, don't even go to the line manager because they don't deal with remuneration. The, unless the line manager is your direct. No, the line manager is HR, is line manager, you know, is CEO, is case. COO, is <laughs> <laughs> everything in is, one. Is the company. Yeah. yeah. In that situation, then um, she needs to, like she's doing, seek clarity and mm. the employer is obliged to give that clarity. Okay, let's take a voice note. Hi, Pumelo. I would like to remain anonymous. So I worked for 12 months. However, my employer dismissed me uh, without a notice and would like to know whether I have a solid case and whether I'd get compensated for the remaining months which I was supposed to work. Hmm. Okay, so I'm assuming by dismissed she meant retrenched uh, because that's the only time you'll be given a notice unless there was a disciplinary hearing and then she wasn't given notice and then it was held in her absence and then she ended up being dismissed. I wish we knew which of these two aspects it is because then I could give a better answer uh, whether or not she has prospects of success. Uh, sure. Yeah, I don't know how to answer that one. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's take more of those questions on 0860000959. And you can also send a voice note on 0636880959. So the scenarios where people, I think it's a little bit similar to this, this, um, this, this exchange between the person and the line manager, mm. where there is an agreement on the table. Um, in the contract yeah. that perhaps if you go beyond certain number of hours for instance you will be compensated over time, over time. and then come the month end and they, there are issues about this overtime story and mm. I've heard many people who get intimidated about even daring either invoice for overtime or expecting the overtime mm. and it being seen as you're not committed. Mm. Are you counting every hour now? Mm. You're not committed to the job or to the company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is called unfair labor practice. The basic conditions of employment covers overtime. You, you are entitled to work X amount of hours. The second it goes over that amount, you are entitled to be compensated for that time. So the rate of overtime, however, will be determined by the employer, but you are entitled to such. So what we always we also see in in practice is that now the employer is like, but uh, my what you you only worked this amount of hours. And well, I no, can... no, no, no. You only worked half an hour. <laughs> yeah. So what are you <laughs> complaining about? We we are talking about an hourly rate. Here you are wanting to invoice us for half an hour. Yeah. And you're still entitled to it. That's the bottom line. So the employer cannot now back out 
of that. That's why it's important that these things are put in the employment contract. It's important to have this binding document that um, an employer is forced to. Because even though verbal contracts are binding and etc., etc., the terms and conditions cannot really be argued in the sense that they're not there for any court to look at. Mm-hmm. So, but if there is a contract that confirms Hori, this is what the rate is per hour. And then when your salary comes in and you've worked those extra 30 minutes, mm. they are not included in there. Mm. You have recourse for unfair labor practice and send it to the CCMA. Okay. Dismissal. Yes. When the process of either disciplinary hearing or those things happen, what what rights do people have? So in case you have been... Um, I don't know, they want to discipline you for whatever you've done. Mm. Do you have the right to be represented when you go for these disciplinary hearings? Mm-hmm. I hear many people who say no. The company will bring somebody, your line manager will be there, you'll be there, but you're not allowed to bring an outsider. So, um, firstly, you, you have to be given a minimum of 48 hours notice that mm-hmm. you're going to be going through disciplinary mm-hmm. action. In that notice, you have a right to have a colleague to represent you or a, a line manager or, um, yeah, Babiso Ambatoba, union member. Shop Stuart. Shop Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, those are the people that have a right. You have no right to get an attorney at that stage. Uh, I don't know what she's talking about. We don't have a shop Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> then you, have a, you get your colleague to be your your person mm-hmm. in there. I get what you so mean. So that you're not alone. So so, so when they say no outsiders, you can still nominate someone inside. Correct, yes. That's, that is a provision that you will have. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's take a quick break. Bongani is um, in Ekurleni. Bongani, hi. Hi, how are you? How are you, We're good, we're good. Thank you very much for good, calling. Good evening to our interviewing there. Good evening, Tati. Good evening. Uh, I just want to check something very quickly. Mm. Uh, it, 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 I think it is also the same similar question to the last that you just gave clarity on. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say in terms of the bargaining council resolution, uh, the resolution says that uh, you cannot uh, <coughs> employ or I cannot be the employer mm. uh, must appoint an employee mm-hmm. who must initiate a disciplinary inquiry, disciplinary action against uh, an employee mm-hmm. who, according to the to the resolution, must be either manager mm-hmm. uh, of that employee, and the chairperson must be the the the, the, the employee. The employer must appoint the employee who's uh, at a higher grade from the employer who is who is tasked to initiate the disciplinary hearing to mm-hmm. chair mm-hmm. the DC. And the employer decide to bring the, the lawyer from outside, who's a, who's a, who's not a, an employee yes. of that, and then he brings the, the the employer outside to chair, and the I mean I mean the lawyer outside to chair, and the lawyer to 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 to, to initiate the DC, mm. and the employer say the employee uh, write to the employer and says that uh, since you are bringing the lawyers, can you please assist me with the lawyers? Mm. Uh, because I don't have uh, money to. I mean, the resolution says that you cannot lo- use legal practitioners. Correct. And that 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 the uh, legal practice that the uh, 
uh, employee happened to be an admitted uh, 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 attorney, but he's not practicing. Where he's employed, he's, he's dealing with issues of security uh, and, and, and law enforcement, as an example. Mm. Uh, he's got nothing to do with uh, legal service. Mm. And then the, the resolution further says that uh, the where the lawyers can be used, the employer must appoint an employee who's a legal practitioner and a direct supervisor mm. of an of of employee. Uh, here, um, I suspect you, you, are, you are dealing with the situation where the legal service, uh, obviously in the legal service, legal section, you employ admitted advocates and attorneys. Yes. So in that case, if the employer decides to proceed with the PC in that session, and then the employee says that uh, I unfortunately I'm not going to proceed yes. with this DC uh, uh, plan hearing uh, unless you constitute this DC uh, 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 in terms of the the, the, the resolution mm. or that governs our our our, 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 our bargaining, you know uh, that governs our our, our sector, mm. uh, and that employee get to be sanctioned without even being offered any or let me say what must happen should 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 the the employer proceed within the absence of the the employee for instance obviously they will find him killed because yes. they, they, it's a one story you know what should happen uh, on uh, based on that uh, on that uh, in that scenario and maybe the last one quickly mm. uh, let's say you are working for an international company it's a South African based company uh, you are posted, uh, say, for instance, uh, in USA, and then some misconduct happened or alleged misconduct happened. Mm. The the policy, the, uh, the transfer policy of the that that company says that the 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 the, the, the executive council, um, the executive, uh, the chief executive officer, uh, shall have powers to transfer an employee back back to South Africa. Uh, on, on based on the following uh, 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 scenarios, maybe they list like, for instance, first one will be misconduct, second one will be uh, unrest in the in the host in the host country, mm. maybe third one uh, due to ill health, and then maybe the fourth one uh, incapacity due to, to, poor, to poor performance. Mm. Can the CEO come and say based on alleged misconduct? Uh, I'm transferring you back to South Africa and I'm even uprooting your family uh, okay. back to South Africa okay. without any disciplinary procedure being followed. Okay. Uh, because uh, this is an alleged misconduct and the policy says that it's a misconduct, uh, okay. misconduct not alleged misconduct. Okay. Uh, I'm raising this question based on, on, for instance, if you go to the issue of health, you cannot wake up in the morning and say that, a person is sick, therefore must go back home. Mm. Or you can wake up, can wake up and say in the USA there's a, there's, a, there's a riots. Then all employees, please, South Africans, let's go back home. Okay. I'm not sure. Can you please assist maybe the two scenarios and okay. just help uh, the, the fellow, the fellow, thank the fellow. No yeah, thank you, man. Thank you, thank you. All right. So to answer the first one, the employer was very correct. Employee, sorry, was very correct in not participating in mm. that disciplinary hearing mm. because the bargaining council resolution is binding. Mm. So if the employer itself is going against the resolution, it's already unfairly by practice. And mm. if the sanction was dismissal, it's already 
already automatically unfair mm. dismissal. So the employer is looking at a, a, a huge payout because um, I don't see how the CCMA would find that the unfair was uh, the, the dismissal was fair and mm. not unfair. Mm. So yeah, that is okay. scenario That's number one. one yeah. And then scenario number two. Even though the company is an international company, it's based within South Africa. So the laws applicable to employment mm. are the ones that are based within the host country. Mm. But if you are based in their country, mm. then the, the laws applicable to, to, their la- to the labor is per their mm. laws that mm. side. Mm. So um, in this scenario, I think he said that the, the person is, in, is based in the U.S. and then they were going to be sent I back. Think, I'm not sure if it was an yes. example or if it Let's is actually maybe the case with he, both. Yeah, the U.S. Yes. So if you're based in the U.S. and then there's a misconduct there, um, if we were to look at it semi in the rules of South Africa, there would have to be a proper disciplinary hearing that is done to show that you are um, you you have con- done the misconduct and all of those things, and then therefore the sanctions will be per the laws of the U.S. and mm-hmm. then they can send you back. But if it was here mm-hmm. in our country, and then there's all these allegations leveled against you, so the code of good of good conduct section eight is where we now we're going to look at. If you're going to say it's misconduct, what kind of misconduct is it? Gross or just normal misconduct? What are the what are the 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 code of, the codes of conduct in the employer's office or whatever? What are the sanctions that are there? Are you now jumping the gun? And then incapacity is very interesting and complicated all at the same time. Incapacity, for you to say, I am incapable of doing the work that I was assigned for, you as the employer need to prove that you trained me. You need mm, to prove mm, that mm, mm. Um, you need to have paperwork that shows Rabanning. When you came, you trained for this much time. When you struggled, I put you on um, the KPI thing that way uh, you're, you're being taught again so that we you know to try and improve your work ethic so to see if you understand. So you put you on that thing and you need to show for how long this person was there. You need to record that in that period that person was improving or they were deteriorating in their work. And then you were left with no choice but to, dis- to do the disciplinary hearing and end up dismissing this person because you can prove that you had done your best as the employer to try and help this person have the powers or the knowledge to do their work. If you can't do that, it's an automatically unfair dismissal. Sure, I don't know what we're going to do. Let's see if uh, Cedric um, can be quick. Hi, Cedric. Hello, man. Hi, please be quick, Cedric. We don't have much time. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, ma'am. Uh, last year, I was unfairly dismissed on, on the 14th of February, ma'am. Mm. Yes, sir. Oh, we lost him. Oh. Unfortunately, we've lost him. All right. I think we're going to ask Mbali to come back next week. Okay. Because I don't think you'll be able to respond to Mbali's questions. Yeah. So that means we'll pick this up again next week. No problem. If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.